Hi, it's Tom Panos here, Million Dollar Agent. This is our first of our agent interviews. I'm without John McGrath flying the plane today, but in his place is Michael Pallia, who in my eyes is probably one of Australia's leading real estate agents. I've known the guy for over a decade, and uh, he's back in the office where I think he started his career. Are we? Yes, I started at McGrath Partners for the first year I was in real estate, which I really enjoyed, and it's great to come back in. It's really grown since you know 16 years ago when I was here last time. All right, so Michael, thanks for coming in today um, to do uh, the podcast. Um, for our listeners around Australia and New Zealand that may not know you, um, what I can tell them is that last year. Michael Pallia from Sydney Sotheby's did 400 million worth of real estate sales. Outstanding, extraordinary. First year in your business? First year in my own business. Yeah, I was a partner in a previous uh, business and now I've gone out on my own and just working by myself with a really good team of people and really enjoying it. Uh, most of that 400 million you did yourself? Uh, well, I put it down to the team, but I was driving it most of the time. Right. We did a lot of expensive sales. So that's what pushed our average up. So we sold 13 properties for more than... Uh, nine, well, out of those 13, the lowest price property we sold were $9.8 million, yeah. And the most expensive was 20... It was, sorry, $33 million, followed by a $28 million sale. We did quite a number in the sort of 10 to $15 million range. And it bumped our average up to just over $400 million last year in okay. sales. Does your office sell lower price properties we as do, well? We do. We do do lower price properties, but not. we'd like to do more of them because I know that market is so hot and it's a great market to be in. But for some reason, we've sort of just gravitated more towards that upper end market. And I think the average sale, that we, average sale price is around $4 million for the property we're doing. Okay. Michael, um, what were you doing before you started in real estate 16 years ago? Oh, I, before that I worked for 14 years uh, for Rolls-Royce and Mercedes-Benz in Sydney's eastern suburbs. I started as a motor mechanic apprentice. I spent seven years in the workshop and seven years in sales. And I met John McGrath, uh, when did I meet John? About 20, just over 20 years ago, maybe 23 years ago. And he was young in the industry and he was already you know, breaking records and doing all sorts of things. And he was, he was the person that you could see was going to come ahead. I mean, I didn't think he would come ahead to this extent, but obviously he's a genius and he's, and he's just an incredible person, had a big impact, a positive impact on the real estate industry in general. Awesome. So you've, uh, uh, you're, a, you're a motor mechanic by trade? Yeah, motor mechanic by trade, yeah. Okay. Still got my toolbox. Still got your toolbox. Yeah. Um, you sold cars? Yes, so what happened, I spent seven years in the workshop. I went to England for a year. I got the award, uh, New South Wales Apprentice of the Year, when I finished my apprenticeship, and I got a a prize from the government, New South Wales government. So that allowed me to go to England for a year and work in the Rolls-Royce factory. When I came back, recession hit. It was in the early 1990s. So my boss said, no one wants to sell the cars. Do you want to have a go at doing that? So I started the first day, got the file. We didn't have computers, so there was a folder and it was from A to Z of all the Rolls-Royce owners. But because I'd serviced their cars, I knew a lot about their cars, and the job cards had their names on the cars. So I could sort of understand what they were driving, and I worked out what they were worth, their cars. And I just started A and then go all the way through to Z and just ring them and ask them if they want to try a car for the weekend. And because the recession was on, we were getting people coming in having to sell their cars with very low kilometres on them. Yeah. So I saw an opportunity there to... Uh, 
trade back their cars and then I found buyers for their cars. So I was doing that a lot. And then I got into selling Mercedes-Benz in the eastern suburbs, did very well at that. I spent uh, three years doing that. And John McGrath was one of my best customers. He kept buying cars. And it was great. I was the top salesperson in Australia every year for Mercedes-Benz. And then one of my clients, a chap called Stephen Moss, a chap I still deal with now, he bought the most expensive house in Australia in 1996. He came back from living in, in uh, America. And I was selling him a Mercedes, a brand new S500. Yeah. I was running around showing him all the colours and all this sort of stuff. He said, geez, you're doing a better job selling me this car than I got buying this house. He said, why are you wasting your time selling cars? You should get into selling houses. So it was like the penny dropped. And at the end of that year, I, I got into selling houses. And that was 1997. And never looked back. Just been okay. doing it ever since then. A lot of the clients I deal with are the same clients that I sold cars to and worked on their cars. Right. Michael, the skills of selling cars, the skills that you learnt dealing in your um, job or in the automotive industry, any similarities in real estate? Huge, huge similarities. Let's Tom, that's a really them. good question. One of the big advantages I had when I got into selling houses was I knew how to close a deal. You see, with a car, they walk into the showroom, look at the car, and there are other showrooms around Sydney, so, and there are other Mercedes-Benz dealers. So if you can't get the deal closed before they leave the showroom, there's a pretty strong probability that they'll go somewhere else and buy the car. It's hard for them to come back. So you've got to make sure that when they come in that you can close the deal with them. And I listened to so many tapes. I mean, Zig Ziglar, I'm a big fan of Zig Ziglar. He, uh, he's fantastic, and he, I listened to his tapes all the time when I first started in sales, and... He used to say you can have anything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And he also, uh, in his tapes, there's a section on psychological profiles of different people. And some people like to talk a lot. Others don't like to talk much at all. They just want to get the deal done. So you've got to sense what type of personality a person is and be able to close the deal. So that's why I was very lucky when I got into house sales that I was able to use the skills that I'd learned through selling you know, maybe a thousand cars before that and I was able to identify different personality types and when they wanted to, you know, be pushed or not be pushed and all that kind of thing. Do you believe closing is important in real estate? Huge, huge. If you can't close a deal, there's lots of people, lovely people in the world, but if they can't get a deal closed, they're not going to do a good job for their vendors. And there's a fine line sometimes. You've got to sometimes tippy-toe people across the line. Other times you've got to push them hard if they don't want to... um, commit even though you know that they should buy it and all that kind of thing and other times you've got to back off so you just it's all pacing people and it's a skill not many people have really got really perfected it put that way okay so you're making a very good point and that is to sum up a situation to read the play to be able to work out um, how you should be reacting to that uh, buyer or seller is that something that people can learn or do you think that that is a natural instinct that people have, understanding, being commercially savvy? I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a lot of learning and I think some people just have the ability to be able to uh, get deals done where others may be a little bit scared and they don't want to push and all that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a fine line. Okay, so one of the things you're um, nailing is the importance of closing, the importance of Uh, applying some persuasion, some light pressure if you think it's right for the customer that you actually lead them and and ask for the business. I agree. I mean, the number of people that I've had into the showroom, Mercedes-Benz, that I've I've asked repeatedly, you know, when they ask you a question, you, you end it with another question. So 
if someone says, uh, you know, I like this Mercedes-Benz, they've just taken it for a test drive, well, what I would then lead to, when I'm talking to them in the conversation, I'd be then saying to them, uh, which colour do you prefer yourself? And if they said, I like silver, and I'd say, look, I'll just check if we've got one in silver in stock. Uh, we, good news is we do have one. We could have it ready for the re- weekend. Uh, are you OK to, you know, for us to go with that car? You've got to keep trying to close the deal with them. And at least 50% of the time, they'll, they'll, before they leave, they'll say yes, and yeah. they'll go ahead. Whereas if you don't lead them down that path, they'll sort of drift off, and then they might drift off to another dealer who will then close the deal with them. Okay, so in real estate, uh, I can't help it, but uh, something that uh, I went to a presentation with a, a client the other day, Michael, and I just heard the agent use this beautiful language, which was, um, when can we start working for you? Um, and I thought that was a nice close. I've also had agents that have said to a vendor, um, have you got a, a key available or should I just get one uh, cut? Just simple, nice bridges. When the time is right to sort of ask for the business, apart from closing, Michael, let's talk a, a little bit about the other parts of the job and um, other bits that you learnt in car sales that help in real estate apart from closing. We'll talk about, you're known as to being an amazing telephone follow-upper. You know, you're very good. Do you do, uh, you do a lot of calls? I do. I do as many as it takes. So I try my very best to get back to every single person as quickly as I can. And I will just work back. If, if I've got calls to make, I, I really feel bad to go to sleep if I haven't returned the call or gone back to a person. So I know it's very difficult with our lives because obviously we've got other things that we have to get done during the day. But there is an important part of the uh, job being able to prioritise and just being able to keep in contact with people. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Have you got a good database? Oh, tremendous, because I've had it now for, it must be, the people I deal with, a lot of them I still deal with today, and they're people I've dealt with for 30 years. I've just listed a, it was been in the newspaper recently and on Channel 9 News, it's a whole floor at number one Macquarie Street in the city. Now that's one of my old Rolls-Royce clients from 30 years ago, and I'm selling that property for them now. So they're people that I've known since I was a kid. How do you stay in contact? I mean, what do you say to people to stay in contact? Um, I mean, you can't just keep ringing up and saying, do you want to sell your property? <laughs> That's right, yes. There's a, you, there's a fine line because you don't want to be annoying and you've got to make sure that when you're speaking to people that they want to talk to you. And I think it's important to build a profile and be out there so that they know you're there and if they're going to you know, deal in real estate that they'll contact you. Most of the time I, people call me up and they say they've got something to sell or you know, and a lot of the time I know the people, so it makes it a lot easier. But it's taken about 30 years to get to that point. Right. Michael, listing presentations, are you a good lister? Oh, I'd say yes, I would be, yeah, because I do list a lot of properties, yeah. Uh, what makes you a good lister? I think I can sense where people are at and I know sort of how, you know, where to push, where not to push, how to pretty comfortable with most people I think they're most they're pretty comfortable with myself and I get on well with people so and I like most of the people I deal with so it's quite good okay getting into listing presentations so this you know in real estate there's two bits number one is to actually be there at a table to tell your story to get the business but a lot of real estate agents say to me Michael Tom I'm not even at that level I actually haven't got any listing presentations to go to or there's not enough what advice do you give to our listeners that aren't getting into many listing presentations. Are there things that you could suggest that they should start doing? 
Yes, I, I think there's a matter of maybe following up expired listings, that's important, and having a strategy. Maybe the strategy with expired listings is only to go on the internet to start with and see how that goes, because obviously the internet can be quite powerful. But then I think when the people are serious, you've got to mix that with the printed media, because obviously still the printed media does generate a huge amount of interest. Yeah, and pause, pause the button there. That's my favourite bit of the interview so far. Obviously, I'm, I'm biased, aren't I? Yeah. Oh, no, no, <laughs> but that makes sense. You know, if you can't sell the... Avid, uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're amazing, Michael. I mean, you, you've been known over the years. Um, you know, you've been, you know, writing two, three, four million dollars in fees over the years, you know, depending on how strong the market's been in a particular year. But you've always been an agent that was exceptional at getting vendor paid advertising. Yeah, I've been consistent. Yeah. Consistent. Mm. One of the strongest. Even in tough markets, I but remember I believe it, through yeah. the book. What's the secret of getting good at VPA? So vendor paid advertising, I'm a strong believer that, you see, if a person's selling their biggest asset, they can't really keep it a secret and expect that they're going to get a great result necessarily. So I believe I was selling my own home, especially the houses that we sell, they're multi-million dollar properties. So as you look at, if you look at the percentage of what the advertising costs compared to what the property's worth, I think it's very important that they should invest to find the buyers, both locally and overseas. So obviously a typical campaign that we would uh, conduct on a home, it would be probably between fifteen and $30,000 per home. And I find very little resistance when I speak to the vendors. They understand that it's important. Uh, we have a local newspaper called the Wentworth Career, which is fantastic. I notice if I put it on the internet and I open it, say, for a couple of weeks off the internet, as soon as I go into the Wentworth Career, the numbers that come through the properties in general double. So obviously people flick through that Wentworth Career and they look at it for a quick reference yeah. and not everyone's in the market. You see, there's a lot of people that are looking to spend the money. They've got the money. They're just looking for a reason to spend it. So in our area, they flick through that paper just to quickly see what's there, if they like it. My wife, for example, saw a property this week in the Courier. She said, I like the look of that property. What do you think? Now, we weren't necessarily looking to buy a property. It's only for investment, but she just saw it in the paper and she thought it was attractive. Yeah. So there's lots of people like that. To our listeners, can I just give you a word of advice? Marketing works in combination, not in isolation. And always remember, make sure that your offline marketing and online marketing are in line because people... Mm. I think the interesting thing is, Michael, that we know where 100% of the buyers are going to come from. What we don't know is where the best buyer is going to come from. And <laughs> you're that, right. I think, is one of the challenges in, uh, in real estate is that you're taking a bit of a risk and you're being a guinea pig if you're going to cut corners in the market. I think you? you're right. You might miss out on the buyer that was there. I mean, you see, if you're serious about selling your property, and let's face it, if it's your biggest asset, you should be pretty serious about selling it, I think you've got to put together a marketing budget that's going to, you can hand on your heart, say to the vendor, I think I've covered the market or marketing the house. Yeah. Michael, I want to talk to you about a question that I get asked a lot by our listeners on social media and agents that come to our real estate gyms, and that is, um, ask the people that write good money, if there was three bits of advice you could, uh, what are the three tips Michael Pallier would give Michael Pallier 16 years ago knowing what you know today? What are three bits of advice you would give yourself if you were starting in day one? Number one, I would look at a long-term goal. So I wouldn't look at it as a one-year job. I'd look at it as a career path. 
I would treat everyone I can possibly come in contact with with respect and try to leave a good impression upon people. The other thing is I would become an expert in the area, so I would get to know that market inside out. So if anyone had a question about a particular property, I would understand it. And more importantly, if a buyer's got a question about comparing values, that I would know the properties that they're talking about. So get to know your market really well and build a profile, get well known and get known for getting good results. So if you can do that long term, I think you can do very well. Yeah, well, I've got to say your evidence of that, Michael, because um, everyone that I speak to both at work as agents and non-agents, when the name Michael Pallier is mentioned, it's mentioned as someone that's got a very high work ethic, uh, someone that's got a brand and brand is what people say about you when you're not there and people rave about you, Michael. They say that you do an incredible figure, an incredible amount of work and you get people top dollar. And uh, I'm pretty excited to uh, be told, again, you're going to be one of the speakers at Arex. So yeah, I'm very excited. before. Yes, it should be great. Really looking forward to it. Yes. And what a great conference. Isn't it amazing? Those couple of days we spend up there on the Gold Coast, it's great. Not only do you learn a lot, you can have a lot of fun there too. Yeah, absolutely. All righty, Michael, thank you so much for coming in um, today. Uh, Michael Pallier, Sydney Sotheby's, he's also got an office um, on the Gold Coast. Um, And uh, you'll see him at Arik in June 2014. Thank you so much, Michael. Uh, Thanks, Tom. I think the important thing, Tom, also, is the one big thing to know is you don't really have to have any amazing ability before you start. You can learn a lot of it. You just have to be keen to learn and I mean I'm no different to anyone else I don't really have any special skills I've just worked hard and learnt as I've gone and trained myself you know and I, I can't see any reason why anyone else can't do the same thing it's one of the few industries in the world that if you you can come in without a university education and you can make millions and millions of dollars doing this job and it's not affected by technology changes only going to be enhanced by that you don't have to worry about currency changes you don't have to worry about stock it all, you know, being a broker or an agent is the best sort of industry in the world, I think, to be in. Yes, I don't know. If you're driving along now or going for a walk or at the gym, I think Michael's just again articulated why you should actually be pump working in this industry. You can, you can have a, a little education. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world, but if you work hard, give people good service, leave a good first impression on people, know your stuff so well that you are considered an expert in the area, you can make millions of dollars. Yeah. Drive a nice car and listen to good music. I mean, I was probably just as good at being a motor mechanic as I am at being a real estate agent. The difference is, as a real estate agent, the income level is massively high <laughs> compared to being a uh, motor mechanic. Yeah. That's, you know, that's just, it's just one of those industries and it's fantastic to be a part of it. Well, we're going to really look forward to hearing your full story um, at Eric this year. Michael, Thanks, thank Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.